All right, book of Colossians tonight, Colossians chapter number three to begin with, Colossians chapter number three, thank you, Diamani, and we're going to look at the first uh, few verses of Colossians chapter number three, and I want you to, uh, are you comfortable tonight? Are you warm? All right, get loose, because we're going to use our Bibles a lot tonight, and uh, I'm going to try, I've got a lot to get to. A lot of different references. We're going to illustrate some things. I appreciate the Housers volunteering to uh, be part of the illustration tonight, sitting on the front row and uh, talking about uh, rebellious wives and mothers. You no, know, uh, uh, anyway, um, uh, tonight I'm going to teach on Christ our all. Christ our all. How many of you have ever said or heard somebody say, Christ is everything to me? Jesus is everything to me. Do we really understand what we're saying when we say that? I think it describes how we feel, and it's certainly an accurate statement for the Christian. But tonight, I, think, I believe we're going to get some definition to the fact that Christ is our all, and then... Lord willing, by using the Bible tonight, it's the, it's the goal, is to use the Scripture to uh, support what we feel. And uh, we need to always use the Scripture. Uh, it's good to use the Bible to support your uh, doc doctrinal position. Uh, but uh, we're going to look at that this evening. And uh, before I read the Scripture, uh, we're, uh, we'll have a word of prayer. But we're going to, our, our, our subject tonight is Christ, our all. Father, we... Thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, we, we would be lost without him. We would have no hope without him. And Father, we're thankful for not just what he means to us through salvation, although our salvation is everything, but what he means to us because of our salvation. And Father, I pray that tonight uh, will help us be reminded of who Christ is to us and uh, how much he means to us and shouldn't mean to us, and our confidence is not in ourself, but our confidence is in your precious Son. Now, Father, I pray that this will be a help to us. May it be edifying. Uh, may it help us to strengthen us in our Christian life. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Colossians chapter number 3. Let's begin reading verse number 1. If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above. Now, let me just say right away, the scripture says, if ye then be risen with Christ, Christ finished work on Calvary's the death, the burial, the resurrection. And because of his resurrection, we have hope and salvation. So we are resurrected with Christ. If the, if the rapture does not take place before my time here on this earth is, is done, and I take my last breath on this side of eternity, there will be a resurrection. Because death is not the finality. Because Christ rose the victor of death and hell. That's just extra tonight. Because, verse 1 again, If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. 
When Christ, notice this next phrase, who is our life shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. You ought to underline that phrase in verse number four. When Christ, who is our life shall appear, then shall ye also appear unto him in glory. Christ our all. Christ our everything. Who is our life? Friend, if you're, you're saved, how many of you are saved tonight? Boy, praise the Lord. We're saved. We're on our way to heaven. Would you be saved without the Lord Jesus Christ? No. Would you have hope without the Lord Jesus Christ? No. He is our life. If we did not have salvation, you could list all of the things in this life we have, and they would mean nothing. Because without Christ, our life, they would mean nothing because we have an eternity, a hope in Christ. It gives new meaning to our life. So we see in our text tonight when Christ, who is our life? Uh, is Christ the center of your home? Is Christ the center of your decision making? He should be if he's your life. He should be your conversation. Do we talk about do we talk about what's going on in Hollywood more than we talk about our Savior? Do we know more about the latest movie coming out than we do our Savior? What's our conversation? Well, he's my life. Really? Is, he is our life, but it ought to reflect in our life. And I'm thankful that we can say Christ is our all. Christ is my everything. Preachers like to make statements like this. I know I've made it. He's the answer to every question. No matter what the question is, Christ is the answer. Well, I have a question about this in my life, and I don't know that I don't need the, I need the answer to this. I need the answer to this. It's the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the answer for salvation. But you know, if you need a victory in your life, you know who's the answer? Christ is. Because there's nothing a child of God cannot overcome through the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Christ is my goal. Have you ever heard that? What does that mean? Christ is my goal. Does that mean that we can become? Just like Christ, well, we get our glorified bodies, we will. But until then, he's my goal. He's my standard. He's my everything. Christ, our all. When Christ, who is our life, oh, we need to be reminded of who Jesus is. He, he's, not on some, he's not on a statue. He's not, he's not the figure still nailed to a cross. He's not who somebody, who a religion says he is. He's the son of God. He is the sacrificial lamb. He is the resurrected Savior. He is our hope. He is our joy. Uh, he is our all. Let me jump into the outline tonight, and I think it will give clarity to um, our study this evening. Number one, Christ is our all in Scripture. You got your Bible tonight? You have the words of God in your hand. You've got a pattern for life. 
in your hand. You've got the keys to success as God sees success in your hands. Well, where? Well, you've got encouragement in your valley. Well, if you've never been to a place in your life where all you have to hang on to is one scriptural truth and you can't let it go, you'll get there. But if you didn't have that one scriptural truth, what would you do? Boy, the Bible's our rock. It's our foundation. I think we would all agree with that. We are Bible believers. We are a church founded on the Word of God. But let me remind you who the Bible is about. Christ is our all in Scripture. Of course, we know in the Gospels we have a record of the ministry of Christ. Of course, Scripture does not tell us everything He did. Scripture tells us the world could not contain a record of everything Christ did. But we have record of Christ. In my mind, when I think of Christ as our all and Christ as our all in Scripture, my mind goes to uh, after the baptism of the Lord Jesus and God the Father speaks from heaven, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. But let us not forget that the entire Bible points to the Lord Jesus Christ. In Genesis, he's the promised seed. In Exodus, he's the redeeming lamb. In Leviticus, he's the offering. And sometime we'll have a study on all the different offerings and what they represent. But Christ is the type of every offering. In Numbers, he's the uplifted serpent. You remember when, the, uh, when God sent those fiery serpents to, uh, to, to bite the children of Israel and all they had to do was look on that brazen serpent on that pole raised up to heaven and if they looked at it, then they would be spared. He was, it was a type of the Son of God who would be crucified for the sins of the world. And, and even in the book of Numbers, the Scripture points to the Lord Jesus Christ. Of course, you could go through every book of the Old Testament, but I'm just highlighting a few tonight. Isaiah, we're reminded he's the lamb led to slaughter. And Daniel, he's the coming king. The prophet Micah tells us that he's going to be born in Bethlehem, the one whose goings were from eternity. He's going to be born in Bethlehem, but he's eternal. Zechariah, the prophet, tells us he's that shepherd that was smitten and the kingly priest that rules over his people. The entire Bible points to Christ. You can survive without anything but the Scripture. He is our all. He is our everything. That's why you can't, you can't read the Bible without appointing to the Lord Jesus Christ. You can't, you can't, you can't live. That's why uh, it's living. If you're going to live after the word of God, you are going to live after the example of the Lord Jesus Christ. The scripture reminds us that he is the atonement that covers. He's the advocate to look after our interest. The brother with whom to sympathize. The bread of life 
that feeds, the companion that cheers, the captain that commands, the deliverer that liberates, the day star to guide, the example to influence, the Emmanuel to dwell, the friend to keep, the foundation to uphold, the guard to protect, the guide to direct. He's the high priest to represent, the husband to cherish, the intercessor to plead. He's the I am to supply. He's Jesus to save, Jehovah to keep, the life to enable, the lovely one to attract, the minister that serves, the mediator that intercedes, the near kinsman to identify, the nourishment to sustain. He's the offering that atones, the overseer to superintend, the purifier to sanctify, the Passover to shelter, the rock to hide, the refuge to shield, the strength to empower. He's the shepherd to defend, the teacher to instruct, the truth to arm, the understanding to enlighten, the unction to empower, the vine to enrich, the virtue to bless, the way into the holiest, the wonderful to charm. He's yesterday, today, and forever the same. He's the zeal to inspire us and the zone to encircle us. He really is our everything. And where do we find him? We find him as our all in scripture. A Christian who does not read their Bible, who does not study their Bible, cannot have a true appreciation of their Savior. You can be saved and not study your Bible. You can be a child of God and never memorize a verse of Scripture. But you cannot have a true appreciation of the Lord Jesus Christ without cracking open the book that is all about Him, without opening up the written word that tells us of the living word. That a Christian cannot have a true appreciation. See, that's the difference if you're here tonight and you sit in a church service and, and when somebody, when a song is sung and everybody around you has a tear coming out of the corner of their eye and you feel nothing. It might be because you haven't been reading about the Son of God. You don't have a true appreciation of what it means to be saved. You don't feel those flames that were grasping at your feet before you were saved. Christ is our all in Scripture. He's everything we have, and the Bible points to Him. So we say, Christ is my everything. Christ is my all. He's everything in Scripture. That's why if you're in the Bible, it can't, it cannot be about anybody other than him. That's why spiritual people make decisions based on the Bible. And those decisions based on the Bible coincide with what would please Christ. Because the Bible is all about him. And we do ourselves a disservice. Say, you want, you want to love your, your Savior more? Read more Bible. Look for him in Scripture. He's there. But Christ is our all in Scripture. I move to number two tonight. Christ is our all in salvation. This is where we're going to turn in our Bibles. We're going to be in Ephesians chapter number two. 
Ephesians chapter number 2. You should just have to turn over a few pages. Ephesians chapter number 2. Turn back towards the front to the book of Ephesians. Chapter number 2. And then we're going to flip over to the book of Hebrews, beginning of verse number, uh, chapter number 7. But in Ephesians chapter 2, a verse many of you have memorized. Verse number 8. For by grace are ye saved through faith. Grace that unmerited favor. We didn't, we didn't deserve Christ to die for us. We didn't deserve for somebody else to pay our sin debt. That's grace. Are ye saved through faith? It's faith. That belief that what Christ did is sufficient. What Christ did is enough. It's not through faith in Christ if you believe you've got to be baptized as well. It's not through faith in Christ if you believe that you've got to be a church member as well. It's faith. He is our all-in salvation. There's a lot of sincere people who, who, who are going to go through life thinking they're saved, and they're not because they think that they've got to help God out with their salvation. And there's a lot of people who are saved that the devil uses doubt their whole life to keep them from having victory and growing in their life because for some reason you think you had to help God save you. But is he our all or is he our all? For by grace are you saved through faith. You have it there, verse number 8, you see it? And that not of yourselves. You could do nothing to save you. You just had to believe God was able and willing to save you. You had to believe that you could not save yourself and that because of your sin, you had what was coming to you in eternal damnation and you deserved it and you knew it. And there's nothing you could do to change that except Look to the one who's everything. And what he did, and by faith believe that he was my substitute, he, as the perfect son of God, no blemish, no sin, no fault, he, his precious blood, paid the price for my salvation. He is our all. It was not 50-50 when you got saved. It was not because you were actually a good person, 75-25. Because my Bible tells me there are none good. You get the point I'm making? He is our all in salvation. I'm saved tonight, aren't you? He's my everything. I didn't wake up today. I, I, some days I wake up and I don't feel saved. Aren't you glad? He's your everything. Well, I just, I, I, I fell flat on my face as a Christian and, 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 and I know I failed in that area. Aren't you glad? He's your everything. He's our all in salvation. I'll turn over to the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter number 7. Hebrews chapter number 7. I'm going to read one verse in Hebrews 7. Then we're going to turn over to Hebrews chapter number 9. 
Hebrews chapter number 7. And I can spend the rest of the time here on this point, which I'll probably spend the rest of the time and then still add the other time, but Hebrews 7.25, Wherefore he is able also to save them to the uttermost, that come unto God by him. Notice what the Bible says. That come unto God by him. What did Jesus say? I am the way. I am the truth. I, I am the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Hebrews 7.25, Wherefore he is able to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him. You can't get to him by any other way. can't get to God by any other way. And was able also to save them. How many of you, not just are, but you were a sinner when Christ found you? You couldn't save yourself. But guess who was able? The Lord Jesus Christ. You remember the conviction you had? You, me- you, remember, you remember the sorrow that you had knowing what you had coming? I know you see it sometimes on the face of a child or a teenager. Many times on, on a grown man or grown woman, you can see the turmoil. You can see the weight. You can see the tears when they realize what they have come to them. But then there's that hope, the Lord Jesus Christ, and the weight that just comes off of them. He's able to save them just a little bit. Are you a little saved tonight? No. You're saved to the uttermost. He's our all. Oh, I hope you're getting this tonight. He is our all in salvation. You couldn't save you. You couldn't do anything to get you a little closer. You couldn't go to a holy man and say, can you pray for me? so that I might get into heaven. Couldn't do that. Because that come unto God by Him. He's our all. Aren't you glad we don't, we don't have to depend on, unsent, or on sinful, moody, evil men? Aren't you glad we don't have to depend on one another? Wherefore, he is able to save. I want to remind you tonight that when you got saved, he's your everything. If you've been saved a day and a half or you've been saved 50 years, Christ did it all. He's everything. Chapter number 9 of the book of Hebrews. Verse 24. Chapter 9, yeah, chapter 9 of Hebrews, verse 24. For Christ has not entered into the holy places made with hands. The Old Testament, that that priest would enter that holy of holies with the blood sacrifice. Different story. For Christ has not entered into the holy places made with hands, which are the figures of the true, but into heaven itself. Now to appear in the presence of God for us. The Son has a permanent place at the right hand of the Father. But Scripture tells us 
upon his death, burial, he appeared not to take his place at the right hand, but he was there on behalf of us, you and I, because he's our all in salvation. But into the heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father. It is a holy and a righteous God. Sin offends him, one sin, and we are well beyond one sin in our life. One sin offends a holy, righteous God, and God declares... God declares sin cannot enter into my presence. Because of sin, there's, 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 there's judgment. There's eternal damnation. Uh, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There is no hope for the sinner except for the Lord Jesus Christ who is our all. And God loved us so much that he would send his son. But there had to be a reconciliation between man and his God. And there was only one person who was as holy as God who could do it. And that's the Son of God. And that's Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, came to this earth and and was tempted as all men were tempted and lived a sinless, holy life because he was the God-man. And when he became our sin sacrifice... When that spotless lamb in the Old Testament that was set aside and his blood was sacrificed as a representation of the coming lamb of God who would have no blemish, who would be in perfection, it would be his blood that would cover the sins of man. And the book of Hebrews reminds us that he's entering into the presence of the holy God on whose behalf? Your behalf. Let's keep reading. Nor yet that he should be should offer himself often, as the high priest entereth into the holy place every year of blood of others. In other words, he did it one time and that was enough. For then must he often have suffered since the foundation of the world, but now once in the end of the world hath he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment. So Christ was once offered. To bear the sins of many. And unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. Christ is our all in salvation by his own blood. He entered the presence of God bearing in his own body the marks of the crucifixion, acting as our high priest, his blood that was shed. Christ is our all in salvation. Are we reminded tonight of how unscriptural it is and how blasphemous it is, how completely contrary to Scripture it is to ever have a belief or a teaching that says it's anything but Christ and Christ alone. He's the only worthy one. Friend, we ought to be grateful for what Christ did for us. 
Hey, but Christian, quit living a defeated life. Put your shoulders back. Christ died for me. I'm saved. This world can take everything you have from you. But one thing it has no say in is the fact that the Lord Jesus Christ will remind him died one time to pay for the sins of many. For all men. And I may lose everything in this world and you can have your health taken away from you, your wealth taken away from you. You can have uh, family and, and life taken away from you. But you cannot have your salvation taken away from you. Why? Because Christ is everything in my salvation. It's not up to me. It's not up to what I do. It's not up to how I feel. It's not about am I on the top side today, which the Christian ought to live on top side. But when you're having those moments and you get up and it's like, I just do not feel like being a Christian. Hey, we're still saved. It's not about us. Because he's our all in our salvation. Number three. It just keeps getting gooder and gooder when you talk about the Lord. Christ is our all in sanctification. Sanctification is referred to twice in Scripture. One is positional, one is practical. The moment we're saved, we're sanctified. Let me for sake of illustration. Brother Cruz, you stand up. You'll represent the Lord. Brother French, you represent a dirty, rotten sinner, which has nothing to do with this illustration, but no. he's, Ryan's like all of us. Before we're saved, we're a sinner. Well, I don't sin as much as somebody else. All sin is worthy of hell. Any. For all have sinned. So this is us. Think about this. Let me remind us of this. If the Bible tells us that our good works are as filthy rags, those rags that the lepers would use to wipe their sores, God is so holy and so above us, that's the best things we do. That's how close we get. Now imagine what sin must do to the heart of God. But this is where we were. How old were you when you got saved? 14. 14. The moment he bowed his head, bowed his heart, and by faith trusted Christ as his Savior, he was sanctified. You hear me? Which means set apart. To Christ. We look at man, we look at ourselves, and the devil is good at reminding us of every sin we've ever committed. And we ought to, when we mess up, we ought to confess that to the Lord. It ought to grieve us. But there's too many Christians that aren't serving God because the devil reminds them of their sin. And they hang their head. 
They don't get over it. You say, well, well there's, there is consequences, and sometimes you have to pay for the consequences of your sin. Because there are consequences to sin. Let me tell you something. For by grace are ye saved. And the moment we got saved positionally, we are set apart to Christ. What a thought. That's what sanctified means. We are set apart. As far as God is concerned, positionally, we're already in heaven. We're already there. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of the saints. Because positionally, we're already there. He's yesterday, today, and forever. Yeah, that, that'll give you a headache if you think about it a long time. But as far as God is concerned, He's in, He's He He's omniscient. He's all, all powerful. He's all knowing. He's omnipresent. He's everywhere. Positionally, we're set apart to Christ. That's positionally. Practically, thank you, gentlemen. It is through Christ. Let me, let me, let me throw some references at you. 1 Corinthians 1, 2. I'll turn there. You write them down. I'll turn there. I'll read them. Unto the church of God, which is at Corinth, to them that are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints, with all that in every place call upon the name of Jesus Christ our Lord, both theirs and ours, are sanctified in Christ Jesus. You can't live a good enough life to be sanctified positionally. Only through Christ Jesus. Hebrews uh, chapter number 10, verse 14. For by one offering he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. We're set apart to Christ positionally. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 5. Write the reference down. I'm moving quickly. 2 Corinthians 3, in verse number 5. Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything as ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God. Positionally, God looks at this sinner through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ applied to my account. There, there, there's several things, other doctrines that go with that. But for the sake of our Bible study, I'm set apart because Christ is sufficient. Hey, Christian, when you fall, get back up, confess it to God. He remembers we are but dust. And don't let the devil convince you that you could never do anything for God. You're not worthy. As far as God is concerned, our position is set apart to Christ. Nothing can change that. That's positionally. It is a complete, independent work on Christ. We have that. Practically, I've used this illustration before and I'll use it again. Sanctification from a practical perspective is an, is an ongoing thing and is dependent on Christ. Christ within that produces Christ without. 
Dr. Farber, why don't you look up Galatians 2.20. Sit right there. Brother Ryan, look up Philippians 1.21. And while I'm illustrating, each one of you grab a microphone on the end. And when I tell you to read, read. Practically, it's ongoing sanctification. Not positionally. Some people get this doctrinally wrong. And I've got to continually sanctify myself so that I might be saved. No, then it's of you. See, I don't believe I'm anything, especially when it comes to my salvation. Christ is our all. So when I put my faith in him, I pointed to and said, I believe that he was the son of God. I believe he was virgin born. I believe he lived a sinless life. I believe he was the one prophesied in the Old Testament by those prophets. I believe he was the fulfillment of scripture. I believe he was sent to be my sin sacrifice. I believe he suffered and paid the price for my death and hell. I believe what Hebrews tells us. He, acting as our high priest, entered into the presence of God and sprinkled his own blood on the mercy seat. I believe it's his blood. I am sanctified. I'm set apart. But practically speaking, you can be positionally sanctified Practically, as a Christian, you cannot be sanctified. Let me illustrate. I need somebody to represent Christ and somebody to represent the world. So, Terry, I'll let you represent Christ. I won't do it to you, Miss Valerie. Bill. You come represent the world. All you got to do is stand over there and look worldly. Not that good. All right? The two extremes. You've seen me illustrate this. Consecration, consecrated to, sanctification, set apart. The more... We look at it as a, oh, and, 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 and this, is, this, is, this, is, this is the issue, this is the problem with a lot of second, third generation Christians who grow up in church. You didn't get saved out of the filth of the world. But let me remind you, your sins would have sent you to hell. Just like the drunkard's sins would have sent them to hell. You needed a Savior just as badly. You don't think so because you don't have the scars that they had to remind them. But you need a Savior just as badly. This is where they have a hard time because they only look at what they've never experienced. And if I'm going to live my life the way I'm expected to, by my parents, by my pastor, you're missing it because it's by Scripture, then, which one of you is the world? Okay. Then I have to, that's bad when you can't tell the difference between the two. then it's all about me giving up this. I don't want to give up this. I, I, I like it. And yes, your flesh likes the world. This is how anybody with any spiritual discernment, including your pastor, can get a good idea how some of you are doing. This is how I can say, 
you haven't cracked your Bible open and who knows how long. So how can you say that? Because you remember point number one? We've covered a lot since point number one. He's our all in Scripture. Oh, if you're reading and you're reminded about what Christ has done for you, and you're reminded about what you're saved from, and you're reminded about that place called heaven that you're going to get to go to, and you're reminded about that place called hell you don't ever have to worry about, and a trial comes in your life, and you hold on to a God that does not move, and you're reminded that you are, the son, you are a child of God, and if He sent His Son to pay your sin debt, He's certainly not going to forsake you now. He's certainly not going to leave you now. And you're reading the Bible, and you're, and you're looking at Scripture, and you see Christ there, and you see Christ there, and you see Christ there, and you see Christ there. It becomes less and less about that, and more and more about Him and what he is. Dr. Farber, read for us. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I. But Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Brother Ron. For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Okay. I'm sanctified positionally. The instant I'm saved. I'm set apart to Christ. As far as God's concerned, I'm in heaven already. I'm set apart. But he's left me down here to run a race. He's left me down here to be a witness. He's left me down here to glorify God. He's left me down here to fulfill the purpose that he's put me on this planet for. And I, I was saved. It doesn't matter when you were saved and what you were saved of. You were saved a wretch. You were saved on your way to hell. You were saved a sinner. And you still have a sin nature. But to be set apart practically is to say there is a purpose for my life. And it's to be set apart to Christ practically. It's hard enough to be a Christian if you're saved. Can you imagine trying to do it lost? You can't control your flesh. I know only three of you nodded your head, but the secret's out, everybody. We're sinners. We have a flesh. We still have a sin nature. But I want to focus on Christ, who is my all in Scripture. Christ, who is my all in salvation. He died for me so I might be saved. I want to crucify my wants with Him so I can be sanctified to Him. Set apart to him. I don't even consider, and you probably noticed this if you've been a member here any length of time, I don't even consider the opinion of the world. I don't even consider, I don't even want to try and convince you, and every once in a while I've got to preach a message to remind all the young people here of how horrible sin is and what it will do to you and how it will destroy you and it will destroy your home, your life, your future and the people out there that will drag you along. They'll make all kind of promises to you, but when you are left all by yourself, none of them will be around. It will, the world will take from you what it wants and leave you. I have to preach those messages. Sometimes I have to stand in the way of a Christian and say, don't do it. I'd rather become your enemy knowing I said what I needed to say 
to have on my conscience. I didn't warn. I have to preach those messages. But let me tell you what I spend most of my time doing. Fully on you. Look at him. Not really him, but... Look at Christ, our all in Scripture. Look at Christ, our all in salvation. Look at Christ, our all in sanctification. Some of you, you know what you were when Christ saved you. You know the life you were living. And now you sing in the choir. Now you teach Sunday school. Now you serve as an usher. Now you go out week after week and tell other people how you can be saved. Now you you have a home where Christ is honored and everybody in the home is saved. Who did all of that? Christ did that. That's why you take the focus off of Christ in the church It's an ungodly place. It's unholy. There's no sanctification. There's no living set apart. It's doctrinally, positionally, but he's our all. If you want to be like him, you've got to let him change you. And I've taught on this many times from the inside out. And practically, he's our sanctification to be set apart. Thank you, gentlemen. You can be seated. Number four. Christ our all, this is lastly and we're out of time, Christ our all in service. Christ our all in service. I'm going to read John 15, 5. John 15, 5. I hope you all are enjoying this as much as I am. John 15, 5. Then while you're turning there, if you want to write down the reference, Philippians 4, 13, you, you know that when I can do all things through Christ. And it's not talking about winning a football game either. I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. 1 Corinthians 2.2 2 is another good reference to write down. He, him being our all. Our thing, Christ is our all in service. John 15.5. I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me ye can do nothing. I'm saved and I'm on my way to heaven because of Christ. Oh, what a wonderful... He's my all in Scripture, my all in sanctification. Every saved person should serve God. Can I get an amen? Amen. Every saved person ought to serve God. And And we don't have time tonight to talk about all the ways you can serve God. If you give a cup of cold water in my name, he says it's as if you're doing it unto him. Well, there's a lot of ways that we can serve God. Those that, and we all should faithfully pray for, for one another. You're serving God. You, you, you're a parking lot attendant. You're an usher. You're a choir member. You, there's a lots of ways. But every Christian ought to serve God. Isn't it rewarding to serve God? Busy all day on Sunday. When you get home, you're tired. That's a good tired. It's a different tired than working 10-hour days for the company tired. Isn't it wonderful? How, how, how many of you have been saved more, more, more than 20 years? Let me see your hand. How many of you have been in church, serving in a church more than 30 years? More than 30 years. Okay. 
You've been doing that longer than 30 years. Don't you like seeing the fruit? Don't you like seeing somebody that you had an impact in? God used you, and now they've grown as a Christian. Now they were children. Now they've got their own family. Haven't you? It's fruit. What an awesome thought that God would use me to be the human instrument to make an eternal impact in a life, in a home. Not just changing one life, but changing a family for generations. Wow. But be careful before we pat ourselves on the back. Because we could not get saved without Christ. This book would be powerless. You take Jesus out of the Bible, it's like taking the sun out of the solar system. It doesn't exist. We wouldn't have a book that directs us and guides us and strengthens us. I think all of us could say at least one time in my life, I had nothing to grasp but a Bible truth, and I held on to that, and it got me through. But without him, you don't have your Bible. Without him, there is no sanctification. And even without Christ, there is no service for God. I'm the vine, you the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. Yeah, hang on to God. You let, you're sanctified, not just positionally, but practically. There's going to be fruit. If, you're, if I can put it like this, if you're plugged into Jesus, it's going to have an effect. If you're doing the work of him, you're just going to have an effect. The same bringing forth much fruit, for without me ye can do nothing. How many of you are saved? One more time. He's our all. Don't you like, don't you like being saved? I do. I like being saved. I, I like having eternal security. I like it. Aren't you thankful that you got a precious, powerful, inspired, preserved, perfect book that is settled in heaven, that has been preserved through the ages? And every time the devil has tried to stamp it out, God has preserved it so that the supernatural word of God could be the very thing that convicted your heart. The supernatural word of God is the very thing you can build a life on, a home on, a marriage on. It's the very thing that when you're at a, a crossroads in your life, you can lean on and take those principles and make the right decisions so you don't have regret to look back on. It's the very thing that we can have good success if we follow it, as the book of Joshua mentions, it's the very thing that reminds us that when we're in, we're in the valley of the shadow of death, that we have a God who doesn't leave us or forsake us. He is everything in our word. 
Not, he didn't just save us out of a, a sinful life positionally. It's because of Him we can be set apart practically. There's things that Christians should not partake in because we're saved. But even having said that, saved or unsaved, sin leaves scars. Sin's expensive. You, you can, whether you're saved or unsaved, that, 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 that alcohol, that, that whiskey bottle, that beer bottle will steal your joy from you no matter if you're saved or not. It'll run your life. It'll destroy you. But that's no way that a Christian should live. And how do we stay away? It's Christ. But by the grace of God would I be that. But then in our service. I, by the way, I like my Bible. I like my, I don't think I have to clarify it here, but just in case, I like my Bible, which happens to be the King James Bible. I don't need a dumbed-down version. I, I don't need a dumbed-down version. This is easier to understand. Well, you just admit everybody, you're stupid. I don't have to look at, well, this translation. No, you're admitting you're stupid because you need a dumbed-down version. I like my Bible. Well, we need to have a conversation. I'm not having a conversation about it. I like it. I like being narrow-minded. I like holding on to it because I know what it's done for me. He's my everything when it comes to I like it. I'm not going to apologize and I know I'm going over time. I'm not going to apologize for living a sanctified life. I don't need to do it to be saved. Because I've already shown us from Scripture, positionally, we're set apart. I don't do it because, so I, I can look down on somebody. I do it because I like it. Because I like being close to my Savior. I like having my eyes on Him. I don't like the feeling of broken fellowship with my Savior. I, I don't like the feeling of, of the dirtiness of this world. I don't do it to be saved. I don't do it because I think I have to do it to be saved. I do it because I like it. Because my Savior is all in my sanctification. I don't do it for any other reason, but I want to be close and set apart to him so that I might better use the life that he has given me to honor him. I like serving God. I like it. I, it's work. It's sacrifice. But I like it. You know why I like it? Because when I see God do something, I know it's only He can do it. And I get to be a conduit from Christ, those that need Him. It's, I like being a pastor. Some days I like being your pastor. I get to use 
my life. Young people, listen to me. I get to use my life to help people get to the Son of God. I get to use my life to say, forget the world. Look at Him. He's everything in service. If you're ready to resign your area of service, let me help you. Stop doing it for you. Stop doing it in your own strength. Stop doing it in your own power. And remember, you can't do anything for God except through Him. Except by Him. Oh, I love what God does week in and week out at the Emmanuel Baptist Church. It thrills my heart as your pastor, as a preacher of the gospel, to know and so we never know. Only eternity will tell what, what, what a message will do. And, and many times you think nobody got that. God does some, it's, it's his. But boy, it does you good to know, to see that the word of God is helping somebody and, and, and the spirit of God is working in somebody's life. But lest we forget, it's all about him or it doesn't happen. That's why in these contemporary emerging churches, they've got to pump up the band and they've got to appeal to the flesh to make them feel like something's going on. But friend, when you just stand up and you hold up the word of God that he's all about and you talk about a salvation that he's all about and you say, stay away from the world and be sanctified because it's all about him. It's a lot easier to say, I want to serve him. I want to serve him because even in our service, for him, it's all about him. Hopefully, and I've taken extra time tonight, but I hope that we leave here tonight with a good reminder and even a better understanding of what it means when we say, Christ is my all. He's my everything. I, I don't have to convince anybody why I'm saved because Christ did everything that had to be done so that I might be saved oh Christ is our everything let's live like he's our everything father we